boxed in. Romans 5, verse 7. It says, For scarcely a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, can we say still sinners? Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Verse 16, that was verse 12 there. Verse 16 says, and the gift, can we say the gift? The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, that is the first Adam. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. One sin brought the human race into separation from God. Many sins brought the human race into reconciliation with God. Not the sins that we committed, but the, the sins that we committed against, the human race committed against the Son of God. God allowed it to happen. He sent His Son down like a magnet to live a perfect life, knowing the human race would not put up with such perfection and such truth-telling. Eventually, He would be destroyed, and it happened. And the multitude of sins that, that were committed against Him, basically, commit, uh, it, it, it includes them all in one form or the other. Sins of the heart, sins of the hand were committed against Christ. Even sins of the foot, sins of the weapon, sins of the mind, sins of corruption and betrayal and everything else imaginable were committed against the Son of God. And God allowed it to happen so that He would become sin for us, allowing it to be committed against Him so that through His death that happened by His sin, His death could become a payment for sin so that through those many sins we could be justified and freed from sin. That is an amazing thing when you think about it. One sin messed us up, many sins fixed us up. One man messed us up and the last man, the last Adam, fixed us up. I like how the New Living Translation reads. Verse 6, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made, made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now, verse 11, we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends. I am a friend of God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask that you'd speak to us today by your word. Help us to understand that our salvation is a free gift for us to just receive. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I decree and declare that somebody's going to get it today. Somebody who thinks they have to be good in order for God to love them is going to understand God loves them like they are. Now, of course, he loves us too much to leave us the way we are, but only he is the one that can change us. If we'll admit that we are utterly helpless to be good on our own, and we come to him and receive the gift of salvation that is for free, there will generate in your heart such an appreciation that you'll become more submissive than you've ever, be- ever been before. And as you grow spiritually, that submission can grow. It's not by your efforts that you get good enough to get some kind of goofy badge from God. We'll never be good enough to be worthy of God's grace. You see, God's goodness is a whole lot higher than our goodness. So for me to believe that I can be good enough to earn God's favor is an insult to his goodness. His goodness is way up here and ours is way down here. Oh, but I want to try. You know, you can try to dive in the deep end of the pool, but if you don't know how to swim, you're going to drown. The point is, Jesus came. And bridge the gap. The cross is like the most ultimate bridge that was ever built. And God's Son hung upon it for you and I to receive His goodness. Oh, but I want to try. I want to try. I want to try. You can't. You'll fail every time. You will never be good enough to earn any of God's favor. And so by receiving the free Gift. Can we say free? free? By receiving the free gift, he makes us free from our sin. Now hold with me. Today we're going to share, we're going to try to finish this sermon on the demonstration for the third time on how God's love is demonstrated to us. We talked about the dimensions of God's love for a couple Sundays, the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length. But today we're talking about how God's love is demonstrated. And if you can see the demonstration of his love, you can believe that his love is demonstrated so that you will believe he went to great extremes to demonstrate his love so that we will believe that he loves us. Let's all say, God loves me. me. Saying it's one thing, believing is another. Amen. Titus 3, 4 and 5. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy. Not according to my good works. According to His mercy, He saved us. Well, preacher, you're giving us a license to sin. You've been sinning long enough without a license. You don't need any preacher to give you a license. Jesus gave us a license to get saved, and it's free. You don't even have to take the exam. You just call on his name. Save me, Jesus. Help me from myself. And when he saves you, he doesn't just save you a little bit and say, come on, I'll give you some more. Come on. You're either saved or you're not. There's no half-saved business going on. Saved, begin to enjoy that reality. I don't deserve it but he did it for me. The demonstration of God's love is demonstrated in his compassion. The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion 
for the multitudes because they were like sheep having no shepherd. Compassion means a feeling of deep sorrow for the misfortune of another accompanied by a strong desire to relieve the pain and remove the cause. It's a feeling of deep sorrow for the misfortune of another accompanied by a strong desire to relieve the pain and remove the cause. Christ is the most compassionate man that ever lived. It's not sympathy. Oh, you poor little thing. It wasn't it. He came to relieve our pain and remove the cause of our sin. And he took that sin upon himself and carried it to the grave and left it behind. That's compassion. He came to bring healing. Healing of a wound. You know, a wound is a separation of the flesh. The parting of the flesh creates a wound. And there was a wound in the relationship between God and man. And by his stripes or his wounds, check it out, First Peter, this is what he's talking about in the context there. By his stripes or the separating of his flesh, we are healed. We were healed. The separation between us and God has been mended. The scars are in his body. Ultimate healing. He came to the earth and healed bodies, but gave commands that healed relationships and provided an offering that healed the ultimate relationship, the one between God and man. He is the great healer, amen? He came to ratify the requirements of God's law. The word ratify means to give formal approval to something, usually an agreement, to give formal approval, uh, approval to an agreement negotiated by someone else in order that it can become valid or operative. The president can make laws, but the Congress has to ratify those laws. We can stomp around and say, I can be good enough to be saved, but it takes the blood of Jesus to ratify. And our works will never be ratified. It was the Son of God who came and offered the offering. And God ratified that offering, gave his full approval. When Jesus said it is finished, the price was already paid. It is done. Can we say it is finished? It's been officially ratified. Approval of an agreement made by someone else, a third party. Jesus fits the bill. I love our logo. It looks like, at first glance, the church logo, you see it on the sign out there. It looks like, at first glance, it's just a cross with a circle around it. But look at it closer. It's a G with an inverted C facing the G with a cross in the middle. And it stands for two things. Generations Church of Granbury. Generations and Granbury G, Church is C. But it also stands for God. The G is for God. The C is for covenant. And the G is for God. And the cross is in the middle. On the cross, God made a covenant with God to buy our salvation. And in buying our salvation, he died to pay the penalty for breaking that covenant. 
See, the penalty for breaking a covenant is death. Till death do we part. That was the original plan for marriage, for life. And so Christ came and gave his life, fully fulfilled the covenant with his life, but then he paid the price for our breaking covenant with God. When God made man, he put him in the garden, said, be fruitful, multiply, and don't eat of a certain tree. Man rebelled, ate of the certain tree, broke the covenant, death entered the human race. The penalty for breaking a covenant is, is death. And so the cross is a symbol of death, but it's also the symbol of the payment God made for our sins when God made a covenant with God. It's been ratified. It's, the, the deal is done. Believe it and receive it. The demonstration of God's love is, is, is in his imputing. The word impute is a, an accounting word. When you reckon the books, you see whether they're in the red or in the black. And if your books are in the red and someone comes along and corrects the books by making a deposit into your account, they've imputed to you a credit balance. Not only have our sins been forgiven, but our righteousness has been imputed. Not only are books no longer in the red, thank God, for a zero balance. Zero balance can be good, right? If you've been in debt a great, a great amount and then to have that debt forgiven, that is awesome, right? But salvation is so much better than that. Not only is our debt paid, but our righteousness has been given as a gift. The perfect life of Jesus was given to your, your account and to mine. Tremendous. Don't get me started on this one. Hopefully, if I can get there, we'll talk about his substituting. He took our place on the cross. He carried our burden for us. He stepped up and took our place. And I love this one. Transforming many offenses into justification. Those many offenses should have been a reason for Judgment Day to have come right then. But God is not willing that any should perish. Because of His love, He, for, he foregoes judgment, waiting so that everyone can repent, giving us a chance. So Christ is the great big T, the ultimate transformer. There is none other like Him that can take many sins and justify the world with them. In his body. Is that not awesome? The demonstration of God's love is Christ himself. Christ himself. Isaiah 53 says prophetically, Isaiah saw this and he wrote it. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Look at the substitute. Bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Can we say of us all? He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. Jesus Christ is the demonstration of God's love. He's the ultimate sacrifice and the perfect substitute. He was our perfect substitute. He died so that we could all live. He came out so we could all go in. He came down so we could all go up. He was bound so we could all be freed. He was beaten so we could all be healed. He was cursed so we could all be blessed. He became naked so we could all be clothed. He became poor so we could all be made rich. He took our place to give us rights to enter his place. He was bruised so our iniquities could be forgiven. He was wounded so our transgressions could be erased. We're talking about our great substitute here's a film clip from an oscar worthy movie about our substitute jesus of nazareth of men, man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearer is done. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. 
Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was abused for our iniquities. And through his wounds, we are healed. as it were, our faces from Him. We did esteem Him, smitten of God and afflicted. It's by His wounds we are healed. Now, when you're sick, you don't feel good, right? But when you're well, you're made to feel good, right? So healing is a picture of God's goodness because His goodness We taste His goodness when He heals us. It's by His stripes that we are healed or by His wounds that we are made good. It's by His works that we are saved. The Bible says that we are saved for good works, not by good works. We're saved by His good works for our good works. And we can try as hard as we can. We'll never pay him back out of that. But it's his good works that are to be our inspiration. Not to earn his favor, but because of his favor. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. So much preaching in our day and time is becoming more and more motivational speaking. And I believe in positive motivational speaking I like pep talks. We all know encouragement is good. But if we leave the gospel out, all you've got is moralisms. You may as well just go to the Lions Club. I'm not criticizing the Lions Club. Sorry for picking on football earlier. But I'm telling you, the good news is what makes us good. It's faith in His goodness that begins to do a change in my heart. And reality is faith in Him coming to live in us and allowing Him to influence us because only He can live the good life. He's our incredible substitute. As I ended earlier, He was wounded so our transgressions could be erased. He took the blame so we could stop playing the blame game. He said it is finished because our debt was paid in full. He was our ransom payment so we could be redeemed. He lost what was his so we could win what was not ours. He became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. He was separated from God so we could be reconciled to God. He represented us so that we can represent him. In heaven, he is representing us. And on earth, we are representing him. He stood in our position 
so that we can all sit with him in his, in heavenly places. He became the son of man so that we could become sons of God. We're talking about our substitute. He became what we were so that we can become what he is. And this is my favorite one. He experienced our temptations so that he might become a more faithful and more merciful high priest. Lord, I'm being tempted. He's able to help us because he knows what that's like. Lord, I've been betrayed. That's one of the most painful things there is to walk through that. He knows what that's like. And you can grow in knowing him in the fellowship of his suffering. Lord, how did you make it when you faced this? He's able to help us because we can now go boldly to the throne of grace because our sins have been paid for. We come to him by his works, not our works. Oh, I need to put myself on probation for two weeks and live a perfect life. Then I'll come and approach God with my needs. Asking him to help me would be selfish. No, it's not selfish. It's dumb not to. It's dumb not to. Think of your children. If your child has a need, you want them to come tell you, right? If you saw your child crying in their room with a splinter, say, baby, can I help you with that splinter? Oh, I haven't been good. I was naughty yesterday. Are you going to say, oh, yes, you need to live with that thing for a couple more days? You behave. No. You love your child. It's your unmerited favor you would give that child. Take that concept and multiply it a billion times a billion and you begin to understand God's love for you and I. Amen. The demonstration of God's love. When the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. He is love. Jesus spoke all five love languages. Have you heard of the love language concept? It's an approach that Christian counselors use to bring understanding to us as to how we receive love and how we express love. And the way we express love is generally the best way we receive love. And so if you're not feeling loved, understand how your mate expresses love and interpret it so you'll understand their kind of love. How, how does your mate feel most appreciated when you do fill in the blank? That's your mate's love language. Learn to speak your mate's love language, and maybe they'll learn to speak yours, and you'll feel more love than you are. Jesus spoke all five love languages. If you understand his language of love and all five dialects of love, you can receive his love more, more uh, openly, I believe. Words of affirmation is one kind of love. This is the love language my wife speaks. And when she affirms, I don't need words of affirmation. It's not my love language. And so when she affirms me, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure, right. What's she going to do? Scream at me to affirm me? No, I've got to learn that that's how she expresses love. I need to feel love when she affirms me. But then I need to learn to Speak words of affirmation myself so she'll feel loved. What did Christ come and do? The first remarks in his first recorded sermon, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He gave the beloved beatitudes. He came and spoke blessing, 
words of affirmation. He picked up children and affirmed them and blessed them. In the last chapter of Luke, as he's ascending to heaven, the Bible says his hands are raised and he's speaking blessing. He knows how to speak the love language of affirmation. Whoa, my goodness. Is that a sign? Meaningful touch. This is, this is affection that's meaningful. It's not just that I want you, but I appreciate you. It's not just that I want to arouse you or turn you on. It's a touch of affection that means I love you. And everywhere Christ went, he touched people. He touched the untouchables. And he wants to touch you by his spirit even this morning. He speaks your love language. Acts of service. My God, nobody served the human race like he did on the cross. He fed thousands of people, healed their bodies, knowing they would betray him and turn their backs on him. Spent three and a half years pouring his life into his disciples, knowing they would abandon him in his rough, roughest hour. He spent 30 years of his life, his childhood and adult life, in this world, knowing he would not be appreciated. Nazareth rejected him, his hometown. Yet he continued speaking that language of serving mankind. He was a carpenter. Probably some of those people that wanted to kill him in Nazareth had a kitchen table he had made. Yet he made it anyway. Jesus spoke all five love languages. Quality time. You know, don't let somebody fool you and say, it's not the quantity of time with your children. Some counselors believe this bull. It's the quality of time. You cannot have quality of time unless there's some quantity to the time. I mean, where are you going to draw the line? You're going to have a quality one minute with your child and then cuss them out for the next ten minutes? No, it's quality time that is a quantity of time. He came and gave himself for 33 and a half years. And he gives himself every day to us when we pray. He's ever, he's ever living, ever living to make intercession for the saints. Talk about quality time. And then there's gift giving. Some people, when they love you, they're going to give you something. It's just the way they are. That's the way they speak. And if you want them to feel appreciated, reciprocate with a, with a gift as well. Christ gave gifts and still continues to give gifts. The Bible says he ascended on high and gave gifts to men for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. He gave us all gifts. We're kind of in a season of discovering our gifts and being empowered in the areas of our, of our gifts because Christ's love language includes the giving of gifts. What about you today? Are you going to receive his words of affirmation? Are you going to hear him through the gospel say, I love you? Are you going to allow him by the Holy Spirit to touch the depths of your heart so that you will come to a place of surrender and say, you know what? I'm going to give up trying to earn your favor. I'm just going to receive your favor. Are you going to allow the works he did for you to become yours? Are you going to allow the free gift of his service to become your gift if you will receive it? Years ago when our kids were small, we weren't 
so prosperous. And we were visiting someone's house, and our son had fun with a little car. I think it was kind of a trike car combination. And they tried to give it to us. And Zane's father, because of his pride, that would be me. No, thank you. It's fine. Yes. And words of affirmation, darling, words of affirmation. So we did not have the gift because we did not receive the gift. He extends the gift to you. Your part is is to receive. We say that, receive. Receive. Quality time. Time for you. Receive his gift. God is awesome. He knows everything. He knew you were going to be here today. He's not surprised that you're here. And he knew that you were going to hear this message. But there's a few things he doesn't know. You mean Almighty God has some things he doesn't know? Yes. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. But there's some things he doesn't know. He does not know of any sin that he does not hate. And he does not know of any sinner that he does not love. And he does not know of any other way to save sinners whom he loves from the sin that he hates. He does not know of any other way than through a relationship with his son. For you and I to be saved from our sin. For that gap between us and God to be healed. And the fifth thing he does not know, he does not know of a better time for you and I as sinners whom he loves to be saved from the sin that he hates through the gift of his son. He does not know of a better time than today. Now is the time. Today is the day to receive his gift. Will you fully receive, fully believe that God loves you? Let's bow our heads. Almighty God, I pray that your truth will bear fruit. In Jesus' name. Let your truth bear fruit. I pray, Lord, for that person maybe really for the first time of their life, whether they've come here for years or this is their first time here, for the first time of their life, they've really heard that you love them, you care for them, and that through faith in you, they can have the free gift that cannot be earned. If that would be you, could you just raise your hand? You want to put your faith in the free gift cannot be earned. Seeing a couple of hands. Let's pray this prayer together. God in heaven, I believe that you love me and that you gave your son to die for my sins. I believe that this is a free gift that right now by faith I receive. 
Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for trying to save myself. Make me new, Lord. I give you me just as I am. Forgive me of my imperfections. Make me your child. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and fill every heart with the revelation of your love for them. In Jesus' name. Just stay in this moment for a moment and just soak in this, this reality of what's just happened as we're reminded of God's love. us may want to pray at our seats. You can just make an altar out of your seat. Just kneel right where you are and meet with God. Others may want to receive prayer. Others may want to uh, seek the Lord for His wisdom. In front of this place is an altar as well. But I'd like to call the prayer team forward in a moment. And as they come forward, if you'd like to be prayed for, for anything, God confirms His Word with signs following you want to be prayed for for anything from healing to a need for wisdom to uh, revelation on who you are in Jesus and how much he loves you. We're here to pray for you. So if we could just stand right now and prayer team come forward. If you'd like to receive prayer, come forward with the prayer team as they line across the front here with me as we continue worshiping. And if you want to pray, you can come forward and just kneel somewhere or kneel at your seat. There is a sweet
cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord Himself lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace and such an understanding of His love for you that you cannot help but tell somebody about it. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Don't rush off unless you have to. God bless you. Thank you.